0: Welcome into his frequency. Enter at your own risk. Come be at peace with me. the Paul, Will we rise and don't fall. Welcome back to another episode of Baxter's Buzz. I am your host, Baxter E. Hall. Welcome to my brain. Welcome to my frequency. Enter at your own risk. I have uh a uh, amazing, amazing guest today. I believe this will be his third time on um, the podcast. I was just uh, saying, you know, this is someone that sort of uh, everyone's trying to get time with, and um, I have the uh, privilege of calling him uh, my friend. He is the uh, a partner at Honigman with a specialty in employment law, and truly just a master problem solver.
1: James Reed, welcome back to Baxter's Buzz. Well, thank you. Uh, third time's the charm, so uh, I'm really excited about uh, today's uh, talk. Yeah, yeah, I'm
0: greedy. You know, that's just you know, and I think when you have a good thing, you got to keep it going. So I don't ask too much of your time. Uh, we were just talking, um, and I and I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment. We 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 had a conversation earlier in the in the year that I thought was really good, but it really led to um another piece. So. I think it is in January, right before you were making your transition um, to Honigman, I, I think it was, I think you knew, you just, you know, hadn't let it out the bag yet, and you were were really re- reflecting, and you just said, um, I would love to come back and talk about sort of my journey. I would love to just share my journey. I don't think that people maybe understand, you know, that it hasn't, what you see, you, isn't always what it's been, right? It's the, it's the back, the back scene, it's the, it's the off-season work, it's the, it's the 10,000 hours, you know, the work that you put in, and so um, I think you're really, you know, in hindsight now, I know you're probably really reflecting, thinking about your next opportunity, and thinking, man, I've come, come a long way. Am I,
1: am I close? Am I? Am oh, you're spot on, and I, I love how you approach it, from the side of the whole human, where I feel most of my interactions are, what's the hottest legal update or the HR tip. So for you to see that internal uh, evolution of uh, the system, uh, I'm excited to share more. Yeah, yeah, no, I, um,
0: you know, we, when we had our first sit down and kind of chatted offline, just learning, you know, everybody has a story. And part of the reason that I do the podcast is because I'm just fascinated with people's stories. And um, everybody has these twists and turns and these forks in the road and these these um, things, these these speed bumps or these, you know, mountains to climb. And um, I I think that people will will really get a kick out of some of the things that that you're going to share today. I um. A couple years ago, I wanted to start this series really, really more so digging into this piece. And I wanted to call it uh, Mentors and Muses, because I thought, you know, there's so many people that's been instrumental in our lives, you know, throughout our journeys. And um, we don't always take time to reflect. We, you know, we kind of are on to the next thing. Successful people have a tendency to be like, okay, what's next? What's next? And so just giving uh, folks an opportunity to kind of reflect and go, man, you know, I've had some amazing people to assist me. Um, I've done a lot of work, but I, have you know, haven't done it alone. So um, when did you realize that you wanted to be an attorney and like walk me through like what age you were in and like what that what that thought process was for you? Sure.
1: So at an early age, I was obsessed with chess fourth grade I was studying the game hard doing tournaments and uh, won the the school tournament which was like my first kind of problem-solving recognition and uh, I realized that what I love about chess or love about games of strategy is you don't have to memorize terms and definitions and just memorize data instead you can Just think on your feet and solve problems. Mm. So when I went to Michigan State, I took political science pre-law to learn how to see both sides of the story and kind of find the middle, how to dance that political line where uh, you have a lot of support, but also understand uh, all various points of view. And so I also was pre-med just in case I wanted that route. And I did not like memorizing fungi and all these terms. <laughs> and I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to tolerate all that for 10 years. So yeah. I knew pretty much early on, uh, lawyer was the route for me. When When you thought about being a
0: lawyer, did you have like, you know, did you think about, like, Tom Cruise and, you know, or some of these, like, uh, fictional characters in these movies? Like, did you see yourself, like, defending criminals or prosecuting criminals or, like, what Like, where did you – because I know you had some – I know you were kind of
1: dreaming. When you realized that, I know you kind of had – I was a... dreaming. I, I think it, the inner me always wanted to be an actor. And always have that chance to, you know, compete on national TV and be in that trial and, you know, just win and have that that energy and that uh, high. And so, yes, that stuck with me so much so that even when I went through the law firm internships, I said, I need to be a litigator. I want to be that pit bull litigator that is, uh, you know, the lead litigator in court.
0: Yeah. And so take me from, from there to sort of where you are now and like really being one of the premier experts in like employment law space, like how did how did you land there from like Pitbull to, yeah. to really
1: kind of, you know, moderator <laughs> of the Pitbulls? <laughs> That's exactly right. So I was loving litigation, loving going to court. And I got my internship in 2004 and was an experienced litigator in 2006, seven and eight. So three years of uh, doing second chair trials and first chair unemployment hearings and other administrative hearings. I then noticed all the work dried up in 2008 Mm -hmm. and my firm laid off all of the interns, the, The 05 intern, 06, 07, 08 intern, and also the attorney that was older than me. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm this close to the chopping block. And I actually learned that I was also voted off the island uh, as well because they wanted to keep attorneys based on seniority. But luckily, somebody high up uh, vouched for me and overruled that decision and kept me so my first lesson learned is you have to have someone willing to fight for you when you're not in the room on your team but the second was you can't rely on other people to feed you your whole life and uh, sleep well on a downturn so I decided right then and there I needed to develop my own relationships and not just be a trial attorney I have to actually have connections to the business and the pipeline to bring it in. Mm -hmm. And the only area of law that was active was the right-sizer. So the Terminator, right-sizing companies, terminating, you know, the old, the young, the men, the women, every race, and just uh, not only terminating, but also being creative, trying to get employees that are rock stars and underpaid, how to stay and, You know, see the upside in the future with executive employment agreements where if you get through this five year phase, I'll be able to pay you on the back end and incentivize, you know, rock stars to stay as well. Mm. So I was problem solving. There's a lot of problems to solve with employment issues. And the biggest difference was in litigation, your real audience is the judge or the jury. And even if you win, your client is still mad at you because maybe they spent $100,000 on legal fees and they still lost even if they won. And so by switching to employment law, I was able to not just say, give me employment matters in litigation, let me come in on the front end, prevent the problem, kind of like almost felt like Ray Donovan where you're just making the problems go away uh, for a very small amount of money and you're getting to interact with CEOs, CHROs, executives, so you're able to have a relationship with that target audience.
0: That's really interesting. Um, What I heard, I heard a couple of things. First, you you talked about how to to help companies sort of right-size their business, because that's what was going on Mm -hmm. at that time. But you had a unique perspective because... You were on that chopping block, right? So you probably brought a level of sympathy, empathy, that maybe other attorneys maybe just didn't have because maybe they had never been
1: in that space, right? You're correct. Although on my strength finder, empathy wasn't one of my strongest, but I do... Because I could relate, I was very gentle and very focused on a smooth transition as opposed to uh, being tough on anybody.
0: Yeah, 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 I could see that. I can see, yeah, but yeah, that perspective, it would be tough to get, you could could get it. But what you maybe don't have in empathy, based on your strength finder, you had an experience though. So you already, you know, you, you saw how it was impacting your, you know, almost yourself, but then also people that you worked with and came up with. So it, it probably, um, your tool is probably sharp, more sharp than you would maybe, you it, it would find on an assessment. You're right. I,
1: I could relate on a human level um, very closely to the situation.
0: Mm-hmm. But but the other piece that you talked about, so, so when you're talking about litigation, you're saying, um, there's a there's an incident that sort of needs my assistance and and um, I don't know the correct term like a, a first chair. That's right. First chair w- would say, "Hey, Reed, we got something. Hey, I want you to work on this with me." And 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 that person so that person is waiting on crap to happen, which happens every day but they may not always get the call so they're waiting on something to happen for them to say oh we want to hire you to help me through this and then you're waiting on that person to tap you on the shoulder say hey james we got something that we need to work on right
1: that's exactly how it works and these litigation is where all of the dirt comes out people are fighting it's like a divorce mixed with business and personal so it's very draining on the client that's involved and not a fun process for them sure and so you are
0: two levels away from 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 eating you're waiting for um the lion to bring something back to the pride so you can get a little piece of that and right. and it was probably fine until things <laughs> dried up, and you went, "Why I'm not hunting myself, right? Why don't I know, you know, um, why don't I understand, you know, the the trails, and why can't I go out and kind of and kind of hunt for myself, right?" And so you talked about relationships and how I'm, first you talked about sponsorship, right? You talked about someone being higher at, at at the company. Yep. firm to say, no, we we need to keep this young man. He he has something, which is huge. We'll get back to that. But the other piece is, okay, I need to maybe handle my business a little bit differently as far as how I go about securing business. And, uh, and it
1: started with relationships. Great observation. So you're right. It started out where, okay, I'm an associate attorney is your initial title. So, the partners are supposed to feed me work. That's how it works. And I learn quickly that I can't stay in that role forever. I already need to play out the chess game and see that I need to be the originator of the work. So, I'm not reliant too long on these partners to feed me.
0: Yeah.
1: I imagine that there are some folks that don't. That don't mind that role though right over 80 percent of attorneys will get fed by a partner their entire life so really I would say less than 20 percent of attorneys develop any business
0: because mm, mm. that's a unique skill set um because it's not necessarily the business that you went into
1: right they don't teach you that in law school there's no class on it they don't really teach it at most law firms, either because you can build a great career, uh, being fed, yeah. So,
0: you, you're that light bulb went off for you, yes. Why did it go off for you? And then, did you have the skills right away to sort of forge these
1: relationships, or was it something that you had to sort of work on? I did not have the skills right away, and The reason why I was part of the 20% was several reasons. One, I felt that I didn't have a partner relationship that would feed me for life. And part of that was a lot of the partners at the time were older than me by enough of a delta where I wasn't confident to be around my entire career. And then second... As far as networking and bringing in business, I really didn't want to copy what the other successful attorneys did because I have to make it my own. Um, I don't want to just be in their shoes forever. I want to be in my own shoes. So by joining HR chapters because of the downturn in the economy is where I was the only attorney at my firm really trying that avenue
0: yeah no I I love that you know I I um I think about my um first the first president that um at the uh, at cabinet Steve uh, I remember in 2020 you know 2020 right so you know it' was not oh eight but some some unique unique circumstances to say the least and we were on a call with everyone and he said, look around and see what everyone is doing. Look, just, he said, look around, see what everyone is doing. And then don't do that. (laughs) And, and that's what you did. You said, I, I have a, there's other, there's several routes to get to this business. And I'm going to maybe take a route that, that no one in my firm has, has taken before. What, what led you to, um, just kind of stepping out and doing something different.
1: And then like, what was the response at at the firm? The response at the firm was networking feels good, but I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm. And their theory was for most business developers, you have to have a niche And, you know, if you want to do banking law, go to the banking conference. If you want to do hospital, go to the hospital conference. So they thought my concept of employment law was a horrible concept to originate business because I'm not helping any of the companies make money and help them with their primary uh, industry focus. I'm actually a, a drain and a cost. Where I'm the the attorney nobody wants, and a specialist that nothing was the general point of view well, you're you're not the call
0: that that people want to make, but they're constantly making them
1: right. And I do explain the drug sex and money issues are really the same in any industry. The employment law issues don't change. Drugs, sex and money. What do you mean? What I mean by that is uh the employment issues of employees that are alcoholics or doing drugs or that are having sex you know, seniors sleeping with subordinates or uh, overtime issues, exempt, non-exempt, class actions, paying off the clock. Almost every employment issue is exactly this. It doesn't change if you're in a bank, a hospital, or a construction company. So therefore I don't necessarily need to focus just on one industry. Right. Yeah. People.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, these things are happening across the board in all industries. Right. And so as opposed to like finding a niche, you kind of, you kind of put a nice umbrella around and said, no, I can, I can help all of these folks with sort of a, you know, with some common, Things that we know are, are going to have, unfortunately, right? That's right.
1: So they were wrong. So it <laughs> came full circle to where I was actually giving work to every attorney at the firm and just about every area of law. So because I had the relationship through the employment angle, I was now able to feed the real estate department, the tax department, the litigation, the insurance, and I mm. went full circle. Wow. Um
0: But talk about the struggles, though. Like, I know it didn't happen overnight,
1: right? You didn't. I uh, had massive struggles. I would say that when you meet somebody, you know, you can't ask them for business the first time you meet them. If you did, not only are the odds very low you're getting any work, but you're probably going to have a reputation of not wanting to be invited to future events and probably blowing chances of ever getting business from them in the future. Yeah. So uh, instead, what I learned the hard way was rather than focus on trying to get business from the target audience, the members at events, you're much better off um, building relationships with the other trusted advisors and learning almost the reverse seminar. Don't tell the audience what they need. Ask them, what keeps you up at night? What is uh, your concern? And be more of a resource that I I believe takes five touches before you have a chance at a deeper relationship or at least to uh, replace whatever relationship or supplement whatever relationship they may have. So I would say there's work I've done over five years ago that doesn't pay off until five or more years later.
0: Yeah. So, so being in, in my role in the insurance role and like employee um, and benefits specifically, um, I mean, you know, I'm I service clients, but I'm I'm my main job is to bring on new clients. It's business development, right? So I'm a, I'm a consultant, but I'm also really hanging my hat on securing new business right and and it all starts with the relationships that you you create here's the here is the million dollar question um you have to have enough success to hang around long enough so that 5 years later when someone says hey James can you help me that you're still around like how do you you talked about the five touches and we'll get back to that. But yep. how do you... <laughs> Here's
1: You're how I did it. Still around. Here's how I did it. The firm wanted me to bill 2,000 hours a year. So that's 40 hours a week on their clients that I consider my own, but their origination. They were not necessarily asking me to get my own clients. They were fine me servicing 2,000 hours on theirs. I knew I wanted my own. So unpaid, I'm spending a 1,000 hours a year, Mm. developing relationships, attending events. But you're right, I didn't have the courage to bill less than 2,000 hours to their account because then I would lose my job likely or not, be able to still be allowed to go to these other events. Over time, once you do about 10 years of it, you then become a master. So there's a lot of sports concepts. 10,000 hours is what you need to really master your trade. But along the way, I would get, let's say, 5% of of my overall portfolio was client accounts. 5% is not enough to feed the family. A hundred percent is what you need. So then a few years later, I'd be at 10%. A few years later, 20. A few years later, I was at 50. So then I went to my firm and said, hey, I'm 50% working on my clients, 50% working on your clients. Uh, Something's got to give. I I can't grow. I'm already doing 3,000 plus hours a year. So what I did is I then got authority to hire somebody. And then when I hired somebody, I trained them to help the existing firm clients so that I could focus more on growing my clients. And then I grew enough to where I could hire attorneys to help support uh, me and my clients. And once I was at that level, then I knew I could do that full time and let the safety training wheels go and give all the existing corporate business to other attorneys knowing that that was a hard transition because some of those 10-year relationships that I'm giving up um I probably would have been able to inherit someday but rather than wait for inheritance I thought I'd make my own destiny right away so wow so and, and
0: so in my business I mean Um, it's, it's incredibly competitive and everyone doesn't make it. It's just, that's just the facts. Right. Um, and I was, uh, saying recently, like you could like really like hone in, like lock in into an approach. You can try to like go, okay, I got the recipe. I got the, I got, I I got the secret sauce. Right. And you're working it working it, working it. And you, at the end of the year, you realize, ah man, it was missing this one thing. You're like, your results don't show it. And you're like, I got it. But then you fire (laughs) because you didn't produce, right? So it's like, talk about the trust that the, the organization has to have in you, that even though the results may not be where they need to be or where you'd like them to be but that they kind of hug in there with you when when it was a little thin and and things didn't you know didn't Perfect. show like show bear
1: fruit like right away so the prime example is i was able to get clients that would only let me draft their social media policy or their employee handbooks or just their employment agreement and nothing else. So my entire transaction is like a grand uh, to four grand total for the whole year. And you don't feed a family having that for the whole year. So at the end of the year, I would say, hey, I brought on these uh, 10 new clients. And they're like, yeah, but you only added 50 grand of income to the firm and you spent a thousand hours you know, uh, out there. So you're making five bucks an hour ROI on your time. And that's how they viewed it. And once I was able to build that client base, a little bit larger, they didn't realize that every year, 10 of those companies are going to have a $100,000 lawsuit, or they're going to have a acquisition where they need to buy or sell a company and there's going to be much larger work. And because of that relationship because you're already on first base right now you basically it's yours to lose on getting the second, third and home run type work as well. You
0: you you have to um, be responsible and show your competence with the little that you get. Right. Yep. And, and that's the part that, that builds the confidence. Um, I want to go back to the, the five touches and like the, the way, and I know that we share some, um, views on this you're more than a than just an attorney right you have other interests you do other things and a lot of people walk around with like this they're basically just like a one-dimensional they they're they're walking around basically just looking like their business card. like they don't have anything else to show or anything else that they're willing to show and that's in my opinion, that's not really how you really cultivate like relationships, right? Like talk about kind of, especially, well, I mean, even in the insurance industry, I mean, it, it, it's very conservative too. Talk about sort of how, how you worked on like letting your personality show and like becoming a multidimensional person who happens to be this master problem solver but not only like not just this box you know like right like you're going to a museum and you're taking a picture with this like wax figure like no like you're a real person with like like talk about how you did you consciously sort of eke out pieces of your personality did you come out swinging and just say hey here's here's who i am or how did you kind of balance
1: that as you as you start to develop this relationship it started where i would do a speaking engagement and at the end of the year, I realized I got zero business out of that one speaking engagement. So I was like, just because you touch the audience once a year doesn't mean they're going to throw all this work at you. So I realized I have to be more memorable than just showing up to in my speaking slot. So I then changed my approach to where I'll show up before my speaking slot and I'll stay after my speaking slot and have drinks where you get to know the personalities of people. Yeah. And so that's how it started. And then during that process, I realized that these events are HR's people, time to have fun and connect, not just be educated. So I felt an obligation to give not only education, but an experience. So when they asked me to host the Michigan Sherm uh, evening party, I put on a Richard Simmons costume and just started, you know, wearing the funny wig and short shorts and rocking the mic, trying to be fun, uh, not knowing where it would go. And I literally got 10 clients that day saying, you're an attorney and you're relatable and like a real human. And I think that how we want that whole human to come to work, we need that whole trusted advisor to come to work to build that trust, be vulnerable, be real be memorable so now when people see me even if I haven't talked to them yet this year they can kind of know what's going on in my life from LinkedIn Facebook or just uh remembering the experiences we had together off hours yeah yeah that's really good um like you dressed up in your uh Mario or Luigi costume now I, I'll always remember you as standing <laughs> out and and fun well
0: Everyone everyone is a whole person and everyone doesn't feel comfortable kind of showing showing that side of them, but they definitely will appreciate someone else doing it, you know, sometimes, right? Um, and some people are like, oh, how could you, you're an attorney. Why would you? It's like, hey, I, you know, everybody likes to let their hair down in one way or another. And we're more than the work that we do. And um, people kind of become a little more trustworthy when you kind of know more about them in my opinion and um, if
1: they know they're going to see you five times throughout the year we can hold each other accountable you're not going to you know want to disappoint them and have to see them five times with your you know tail between your legs
0: well i've been working on this presentation and it's not a unique thought but it's like you know the phrase, like, or the thought of like, must be present to win, right? Like, like so there are there's a pro, uh, power and proximity. And if you're not there, you know, we, how many events have we been at? We, we, we you know, you call that number and that ticket, and that person's not there. What do they do? They go to the next person, <laughs> right? You know, some events they'll go, oh, well, hang on to that for them. But typically they go, oh, you must be present to win. Who's next? And so you have to show up. But you can't just show up in body. You have to show up in presence, right? Um, it may not be a Richard Simmons. It may not, everyone, everyone may not throw a wig on and, and and do the Richard Simmons thing, but you have to be memorable in some way. And ultimately, it's just showing more of your personality, right? And, and, and saying,
1: I'd like to know more about that person, right? it's that and by even if you don't want to be richard simmons or luigi yeah. you can find us and be part of our kind of friends and relationships and be with us and when we're not um together you'll speak highly of those people that you got to know even if they're more introverts and more quiet if they hang out with us and we get to know them we can be there spokesperson and I give a lot of referrals and connect a lot of people that uh probably wouldn't have had the courage to do it on their own. But because they uh show up and I got to know about them, find the best salespeople, the best relationship people, and be good to each other and we can all help each other. Yeah. There's gonna be one person
0: going back to correct him. I was Mario, not Luigi. So I there we go. Mario. Yeah. I couldn't remember
1: which one. Yeah.
0: Um I <laughs> This is how I know uh getting old. A couple years ago when I was looking for the Mario costume, um, the one that they had at one of like the Halloween places, it was like a triple X or something like that. And I'm like, I called, they, they said they had it online. Let me, I said, let me call to make sure they, they only have true. I said, and it's probably not gonna fit. And then the young lady who she said, but there is a um a Luigi. um costume that's you know and i went this poor child doesn't even know who maria and luigi is she don't even know <laughs> she can't even pronounce luigi because she never she right yeah before her time so anyway um talk about as you were kind of working your way through talk about these these five touches when did you identify that as like a magic number in your opinion and like h- how you went to say sort of accept that because it can be very like, hey, we need new business now, we need this. we need we we need like how did you kind of come to grips with you know what? I can't ask anyone something and until you know these
1: like I have these five experiences and these moments with them, sure. so there were times where I got a small piece of business and less than five touches. but what I realized was, we had no relationship. I was Mm -hmm. just a transaction. And when you have that relationship, on the next matter, they're going to want to bid you out to five vendors and find the lowest bidder. And you're just spending so much time to kind of build a relationship. And you're basically just the cheapest resource around. And so I learned that in order to actually know if they have kids and, you know, what their goals are career-wise, if I didn't see them five times, they probably wouldn't tell me all that on the first conversation. And it felt not authentic for me to ask it right away. It almost felt scripted. If I ask them on the first date, you know, what's your life journey and goals in life?
0: Yeah. How did you come to that number, though? Like, how did you, like,
1: figure out? And then how Results. do you... um. How I came to that number was their competi- my competition is not seeing them five times. My competition probably invites them to their annual or semi-annual conference, probably takes them out to lunch once a year, and maybe sees them at one networking event. So being a competitive guy, I thought that I need to beat the competition and if I see them at least five times, I probably have a, already a deeper relationship, more time in the saddle with them than my competition. Yeah.
0: No, I, I, I man, this is so good. Cause I mean, I, there's so much of it that kind of parallels my, my point of view. And I feel like, and there's a, a new colleague of ours at Capnick, and um, we were just kind of talking shop and we were talking about the podcast and I was telling them about my podcast and I said, I'm not expecting everybody to like me, um, but at least they'll know more about me. At least I'll be more than like this profile picture online and this email address. Right. And so um, it's not, it's not the same as connecting and doing that lunch and, 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 you know, that coffee or whatever, but it does give people a better idea of kind of who you are and eventually they're not they're gonna get to know me and either decide that they don't like me so they can decide now eh, he's not my type of guy or I'd like to learn more about and and so maybe that warms the waters when we do see each other in person and we do connect and they feel like that they know me a little bit more than 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 maybe my competitors right but ultimately, Again, that's that multi-dimensional piece, and 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 the the dirty little secret is no one's gonna like you. hundred percent of people aren't gonna like you anyway. So you may as well be who you're gonna be, so that the people that kind of are on your same frequency can sort of
1: see that sooner rather than later. You're right. I think we both play the long game, and I'd rather people know who I really am. And what they're really going to get now than have a one-off type arrangement because i'd rather have deeper clients that i can keep with me through my journey there's um there's another pressure and maybe you haven't seen it
0: seen it this way oh, and this his name is going to escape me i'm not going to spend time trying to drum it up but he talked about your presence and like So like podcasts, for example, or social media, for example, even if you're not podcasting, but like when you show up in these places, you have to be the person that people see you at like as like in social media. Right. So they don't want to be let down. Like, do you consciously think about how you show up when you, when you're out and about like knowing like, I have sort of a bar that I've set that I need to, like, continue
1: on? 100%. I think the the stress is the more successful you get. the Each presentation has to be better than the last. This podcast has to be better than the other two. I have to have brand-new jokes, brand-new material. I don't want them to see me and say, oh, yeah, I remember that story from a year ago. Like, I got to always be on my game coming up with new material. Yeah. yeah. So you're conscious of you're like, no, I, I need to show up and be – because, yeah –
0: there's going to be somebody somebody's meeting you for the first time, and and they're going to say, "This is the guy you've been to, saying is so great. He didn't seem so great today, right?"
1: Right. You yeah. always got to be on your game, twenty four seven. Um, when you think about
0: sort of your journey, like, what are some of the the things that, when you get in your reflective mode. What are some of the like toughest like the challenges al- along the way like that you think about like man that I was really kind of down and out or man this was real like I didn't know how I would kind
1: of kind of overcome think, yeah, this. I, I have several. I would say one is I didn't understand a hundred percent of people couldn't like me in the beginning, so so I, I would take uh, everything very personal and. I would also struggle with sometimes there were false perceptions that weren't true that were impacting getting the business or the relationship. And how do I deal with those false perceptions, not even knowing where they're coming from or where they're originating. And also, when you do so many touches with so many different people, do you really have an advocate that is going to stand up for you when you're not there? and help protect your brand and make you look good. And when you're spending all your time externally, am I neglecting the internal relationships at the organization by not really spending five touches a year with them, getting to know them at a deeper level? And am I not developing my team enough when I'm always go, 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 uh, bringing in new business? And am I not doing a good enough job doing a deeper dive with my existing clients and growing that work and those relationships if i'm so focused on new clients so you basically are able to see how complex everything is the the more you advance in your career give me give me
0: a time now give me a moment where you were like man this is tough.
1: Like, man, I did not expect this. Like, give me a, uh, an instance that you can think of. So in 2016, when half my time was existing clients that I was servicing for 12 years, and half my time was new business, it was hard because I had to literally fire my all of my 12-year relationships that were also great friends, like they would send you know, cute outfits when I have a kid and things like that, fire them all and just focus on brand new clients and new business that I almost have no relationship or only an inch deep relationship with. And I felt very vulnerable and naked. But you knew it was the right. I knew it was the right choice um, long term, even though short term didn't feel right.
0: Yeah yeah
1: um yeah i mean we only have
0: so so many hours in the day and we got to figure out how to best budget that right that's right you we we talked about we talked about your this the sponsor that you had that was a high level exec um back in 08 you talked about who's going to say my name in these rooms when um I'm not around. Who's going to help protect my brand? That's, that's huge. Um. Any, any, any body or any group of people that you want to like mention or like, as you reflect on who did protect my brand, who did say, you know, you got it wrong with James or you need to give James a shot or opening a door for you or, you know, Um, speaking speaking your name in a room full of opportunities that you may not
1: be in like is there are there folks that you can think of i I love how you're getting uh deep with it Uh, in all honesty um i think what i did is i got less deep with a lot of people and so Because of not getting too deep, um, I'm unaware of who is saying great things and who has concerns. And when I try to find out, I think given the title and the elevation I have, people aren't really very direct. So I think that I honestly don't know all of the supporters and uh, people that don't support I'm still trying to navigate that and I don't know if you're better off learning who they are or just realizing perceptions your reality regardless if true and just acting even more professional and and more above board to uh, improve your brand over time I think it takes about three years to correct a perception good or bad so if I'm known as the rock star best employment lawyer around that's going to stay for a few years even if i am uh not the sharpest uh, pencil in the box and vice versa if you have a bad moment you could improve your game and be the smartest around but no one's going to know it for a few years so i'm playing the long term game and just trying to uh step back a little bit i think it's almost like an acting role if you're known as having too much fun then you're perceived as not as educational. And for too much educational, then you're perceived as dry and not the well-rounded person and not fun. So I think it's always a struggle to find the right balance. Well and you're letting your work speak for itself. That's right. Yeah. And again,
0: there are gonna be people for whatever reason that just don't they're they're just they're not gonna be your type of people. They're never going to be fans of yours.
1: And it's okay. That's okay. And I'm now more team-focused than I've ever been. So I think my biggest evolution is I now have a team of a dozen attorneys that are my rocks. And if for some reason, your personality jives better with one of my teammates, I'm happy to help connect you and they can take a great job on your matters approach. So I'm no longer kind of hoarding every relationship and every piece of work i'm now spending a lot of time i'm i'm humbled to be able to connect and pass along to someone else on my team
0: yeah um the man that's a friend to everyone um is not a friend to himself right
1: that's right you can't
0: can't please everyone well i am a fan of yours my friend and i'm not going to let anybody say anything bad about you well i appreciate
1: that now now i'm learning so <laughs> mr hall is is my man to announce uh to the public as someone that if i'm not in the room uh will speak highly
0: that's right that's right this has been so good because there's so, so many parallels and you know um we talk about it we will we'll text in that because we'll see each other but we'll we'll be we'll be working, we'll be, you know, we don't spend a lot of time kind of chatting at these events because we're meeting new people and kind of forging those new relationships. I'm like, I'll see James. I'll call James later or I'll text James that, right? Um, but it's always a privilege to to learn more about you. Um, I I just am a fan of your approach, your work ethic, and um, I'm always stealing tips um, and tricks from you, whether you know it or not. So just thank you for being um, a, a friend and
1: a part-time mentor of mine. No, and thank you for trying to be the human and getting to know me at a deeper level, and uh, not just a legal resource. That that is humbling to be uh, asked to share an opinion beyond just your uh, working skill set. Before we wrap, any is there anything that you would tell
0: anyone that's kind of trying to figure things out? Regardless of their industry,
1: um, and and maybe facing some adversity of their own, I think I would summarize the key takeaways from today is, don't follow what you and I are doing, go your own route, and be memorable in whatever way it is that you can. And I think if you stand up for other people that are are great people when they're not there, you'll be forever. Remembered and desired to be on uh, the executive uh, intimate group, and it is a small world. And I think you got to build your brand for twenty years, and not just focus on your quota for the year. Wow, Mike Job, uh,
0: he is a partner at Honigman with a specialty in employment law, master problem solver, connector, and occasionally. Uh, you may catch him with the Richard Simmons wig on. Uh, <laughs> I it's
1: been a while now, right? Well, this year is, uh, if it isn't neon, it shouldn't be on. So you're going to see me <laughs> walking the catwalk uh, with some neon this year. Ah, yes.
0: Uh, sounds like you guys held up your sleeve already. Um, James Reed, thank you so much for coming back to Baxter's Buzz. This has been my favorite one of the three so far. Thanks for for sharing your experiences and letting folks know that it's not all glitz and glamour. Like there's really, you know, real work that's put into it. and you're not done. You're, you know, still, you know, um working extremely hard and, and still really
1: conscious of like the work that you're doing, right? That's right. You you can't just focus on the ROI this year. You gotta be willing to dedicate an extra thousand hours on top of everything else if you wanna continue growing in life. That's
0: right. And leaders, if you see something in someone, Sometimes you gotta you gotta grade people with the curve. Let them let them help them, let them carry that vision out because you don't want to miss out on the next James Reed. Um, for everyone that's listening or watching to this, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I just want everyone to know that you are all capable. You just need to find your own frequency. So, on behalf of James, I am Baxter E. Um, until next time, peace. Rain. Welcome into his frequency. Enter at your own risk. Come be at peace with me. ask the call where we rise and don't fall.